Hello, FCS Nation. It's time for your show. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall. And once again, I'm coming to you from the flagship station of FCS Nation, Fox Sports, 1450 and 92.7 KGRZ in snowy and cold Missoula, Montana. Join me like he does each week is the co-host of this program, Mr. Stone Labanowitz. And Stone is coming to you from his broadcast center in the sunshine state of Florida. Well, Stone, we had some ball games last week, did we not? Some high-ranking teams took care of business, some did not. Some of them looked really good doing it, won some style points, and others did not, sir. There were a few games that stuck out to us that we're going to get into, but nonetheless, another week in the FCS, and we're getting closer to the playoffs, baby. You know, that's my favorite time of the year, even though my school was very rarely in them, right? But it's just excitement, man. You get to Halloween, and the games start to mean more. The rivalry games are coming up on the schedule. I am so ready to go. Up first from last week, number one, South Dakota State, 37. Number five, South Dakota, three. This is one of those that did not live up to the billing, sir. Yeah, I think the billing that we gave it, not the billing that the Jackrabbits gave it, it really showed you how wide the gap is, and that's been the conversation that's been their narrative all week in the FCS media realm, how wide is the gap between South Dakota State and everybody else. It wasn't necessarily a good gauge game for the Oats. I, I think the better gauge game for them is this weekend against Southern Illinois. But yeah, South Dakota State doing what they do best, and they ran all over them, and and once they uh, kind of got out of hand, they just made it a little worse. South Dakota State's a problem right now. 473 total yards for the Jacks, including 266 on the ground. They held South Dakota to only 183 total yards. Gronowski was efficient again. They just did what they wanted to do, Stone, and they did it on the road in the biggest game to take place in Vermilion in quite a long time. Stage didn't matter. The team didn't matter. The Jackrabbits just continue to get the job done. Number eight, Idaho, 24. Number two, Montana State, 21. I was at this ball game, Stone, and I know we differ on what kind of football we like, but, man, there is nothing in the world wrong with a team having 41 and a half minutes time of possession and the other one having 18 minutes and 33. You know I was enjoying that, sir. 100%. And that right there was the difference in this bowl game. It also came down to execution, something that we didn't see Giovanni McCoy and the Idaho Vandal team do against the Grizz, but they did right here against the Cats. There were plenty of third downs where Giovanni came in clutch, hitting guys in certain spots at the right moment during the game, giving his team a lot of momentum. And then obviously with two and change left on the clock, the back shoulder throw in rhythm to Hayden Hatton. One of the nicest plays that I've seen in the FCS all season long. It came in week nine. It was just a clutch performance overall for the Vandals. And I think that's what Eck preaches to his guys is execution. We're going to face adversity. You heard Giovanni McCoy use adversity on his Stone Cold quarterback segment a few weeks ago. They faced it because they were playing really well early on. And of course, Montana State doing what they do, climbed back into it and ended up taking a lead. But that that throw again, I'll give it some more shine. The back shoulder throw, three-step drop in rhythm for Giovanni McCoy to hit Hayden Hatton. It's a game of inches. Another narrative going around. I love it. It was phenomenal stuff from the Vandals. And that train is chugging again. And I didn't mean to steal Hayden Hatton's thunder there right i mean <laughs> there he is catching a touchdown and and there's this fella standing there looking like rhett butler right just and, beautiful uh, and 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 you know so hayden i didn't mean to steal your thunder my friend but you're right stone that was a very small winner to put that throw in there and giovanni mccoy he stuck it in there when it mattered great ball game great game plan and in that first half the vandals just out bobcat the bobcats dude and if you were a bobcat fan you hated to see it if you're a vandal fan and i was around a whole bunch of them man they feel like this is a team stone that has an opportunity to get to frisco 
Yeah, shout out to that fan base, too, selling out that KB Dome. They play a role in these games, and I think more FCS teams and their fan bases need to acknowledge it. It helps your team win ball games. There are plenty of empty stadiums out there. It does nothing but piss off guys like Kevin Marshall and Stone Lebano. It's because when you can pack a dome and pack a place like the Kibbe Dome out, you beat top five teams in the country. And that's exactly what we saw, and that's exactly how it played out. Number three, Furman, 16, East Tennessee State, eight. This was not a good performance by the Paladins in front of a very large homecoming crowd stone. They let East Tennessee State hang around, and it almost cost them the football game. This was not like the Citadel game with Furman where the outcome was never really in doubt, right? So if we're going to punish other teams for not performing well against inferior opponents we have to punish them when they come from the conference that i love too right yeah no doubt Uh, although it was a big game and you feel like you have a lot of expectations now getting treated like a top team in the country finally Furman, you gotta show up and you gotta make the inferior teams look inferior and and the bucks had a shot in this game not once not twice but three or four times they had a shot to get themselves in this game so Furman, not a good showing but i do have pity for whoever has to see the furple after this because they'll be taking it easy on nobody and they won't be taking a single playoff i think Furman gets better after a week like this number five delaware 51 Towson 13 this was a team that won some of those style points this week stone Towson beat william and mary last week and we're talking about levels to this thing right well there are levels in the caa right now and delaware is head and shoulders above everybody else and i think albany's right there a little bit below him so is nova this is going to be a very good caa race coming down to the wire yeah we keep talking about it and it's this phrase that i think you and i have coined right you got to make inferior teams look inferior it's what delaware's done all season long so for us to have them at the five spot which you're going to get into when you rack out the poll there there's a reason to it because when they get into the playoffs and they are seated up there pretty high and are taking on a team that just lucked into making it like they're going to beat them badly and they are going to prove to everybody what they can do we're more so excited for this Delaware team to get into the playoffs and face an opponent that's respected we think they're ready for it but nonetheless you're a top five team in the country because this margin of victory for them each and every week is god it's up there at times I I think they're winning games by three plus possessions right now so you got to show them respect and we've done just that 619 yards a total offense for the Blue Hens quarterback Zach Marker completed his first 16 pass attempts and here was his first half stone 16 of 18, 307 yards and two touchdowns in just a half. And he also ran for 44 yards in that half. You ever have a half like that, Brian? I have not. I have most definitely not. It was fun to watch, though. Mercer, 45. Number 10, Western Carolina, 38. These teams stoned. They combined for almost 900 yards of total offense in this game. The difference, Western Carolina was sloppy, turned the ball over, and Mercer took advantage of it. Yeah, this was disgusting from Western Carolina. A lot of people calling on us to take them out of the top 10, but it's been too weird weird weeks for the Catamounts. In one hand, you have Furman, who had the ball for over 20 minutes in the second half of that ball game, and they still managed to lose it by just a little bit. And then they take on Mercer. I mean, first of all, shout out to Mercer, right? 420 yards of total offense, and that's eight straight for them against the Catamounts. But at one point, they were up in this game 35-21, to 21, and the Catamounts ended up getting it to 38-35. They were down a field goal. They just could not get a stop. But, I mean, it's impossible to win ball games when you're turning the ball over six times, and that's what we saw play out. They had an awesome crowd. That thing was basically sold out at the Wii. The fans were excited to see them beat up on a Mercer team that they were, you know, definitely superior to. They were favored by nine and a half points on the money line was minus 400 and you saw it get up to minus 450 in some places. 
offenses just didn't show up, didn't come out of the locker room, had a pick six, Cole Gonzalez, a few fumbles that turned into touchdowns for Mercer. Mercer's a good football team. They're ranked inside our top 25, and I think this team plays with a chip on their shoulder. They're so good defensively, so I'm looking forward to what Mercer does uh, the rest of the way because they're a team that deserves a lot of respect. Well, give credit to Mercer, like you said, Stone. We kind of left them for dead, didn't we? You know, but all they've done is they beat who they're supposed to beat, and now they've defeated someone who nobody thought they could, and that puts them right back in the thick of this thing nationally, doesn't it? I mean, 100%. And here are your National Players of the Week brought to you by Northwestern Mutual. The FCS Nation National Offensive Player of the Week is Joby Mallory, the running back from Portland State. 23 carries, 241 yards, and six, count them, six touchdowns. Head coach Bruce Barnum had this to say about Joby Mallory. That fellow is running like his ass is a fire. That's a Barneyism, and that is a beautiful thing. The National Defensive Player of the Week is Kobe Joseph, fine linebacker from Chattanooga. 13 tackles, 8 solo, 1 tackle for a loss, and 1 very large interception against VMI last week. Congratulations to Joby Mallory and Kobe Joseph for being the FCS Nation Radio National Players of the Week, brought to you by Northwestern Mutual. And I hold in my hand here the brand new FCS Nation Radio Top 25 for Week 9. Some big movement this week, sir. Number 1, South Dakota State. Rising to number two, Idaho, falling to number three, Montana State. Number four, Furman. And number five, the Montana Grizzlies. Falling to number six, Delaware. Not that they did anything wrong. Some teams just passed them. Number seven, Sacramento State. Number eight, Southern Illinois. Number nine, North Carolina Central. And falling to number 10, the Western Carolina Catamounts. Rising to number 11, Northern Iowa. Rising to 12, Chattanooga. Falling to 13, South Dakota. Number 14 is North Dakota. Number 15 is North Dakota State. Boy, that was a Dakota gathering right there, wasn't it, at 13, 14, and 15. Number 16 is Florida A&M. Number 17, Albany. Cracking the pole at number 18, the Mercer Bears. Number 19, Youngstown State. And steady at number 20, Incarnate Word. Number 21, Villanova. 22, Austin P. 23, Lafayette. And number 24 is Tennessee Martin. And rounding out our top 25, the Tennessee State Tigers. It's time for us to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You were listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. All right, folks, this is typically where you expect a stone-cold quarterback segment, but really, nobody caught my eye. I do have my eye on Youngstown State's Mitch Davidson. Hopefully, he puts up a good performance against Indiana State, and that'll bring him on. Need him on the show. Need him to be an FOS, a friend of the show, but right now, we're switching things up. FCS Nation Radio's Week 10 Mailbag, where we're going around. We're going to open it up each and every week to the followers of FCS Nation to kind of get involved on the show, and Kevin... I told the people, hey, ask Kevin anything you want, anything and everything. Do not hold back. So I got a list of questions for you here from followers of FCS Nation Radio. I'm going to spit them at you rapid fire. and You give it everything you got, all right? Let's do it, sir. Let's go. All right, let's kick things off, Kev, with Thomas Burton at TomBurt2 on Twitter. What do you think of North Alabama? I think that the transition period did not go as well as the Lions would have hoped, but they're getting better. This is going to be a very good football team very soon. They have everything you need to be successful, Stone. Rabbit fan support. They have the money. They have the facilities and more than all those things put together. They have a fine radio affiliate down there, Fox Sports Shoals. That is an affiliate station for FCS Nation Radio. You put all that together, that screams national contender soon. All right, moving on. This one from Sam Devaney on Twitter, at Samuel Devaney. Does UT Chat have to win Saturday? 
Saturday to make the playoffs. UT Chat taking on Furman, Kev? No. Uh, the rest of the country is rooting for Chattanooga in, in this one because the winner of that ball game is going to receive the automatic bid from the Southern Conference, and they want their team to be higher seeded. Chattanooga can win to SoCon and maybe not sneak into the top eight, right? Because they have a bye week and then they get to go play Alabama. So people are going to kind of forget about this ball game if they can beat Furman. If you're a SoCon partisan, you know, if you're a SoCon partisan, you want Furman to win this ball game because you want them to continue to rise up that seed line and have a SoCon team have to have some people from elsewhere where in the country come to them. Big stakes in Chattanooga for number four, Furman, at number 12, Chattanooga. All right, so Kevin's saying no. UT Chat does not have to win to make the playoffs. All right, this one from Jim Poppin at iSlayer on Twitter. Which team that misses out of being seeded can make a run into the semis? I think there's several of them, Stone. I think you first look at Western Carolina. I know, so con homer, but they can put up points. And I think you got a team laying back here in the weeds at number 11, Northern Iowa, that with Theo Day, can he string together three great performances in a row? Absolutely. He can put that team on his back and carry them to the semifinals. No doubt about that in my mind. <laughs> All right. I love it. Here, this one from Matt Mullins at Matt Mullins210 on Twitter. Do you think South Dakota State could beat a top 25 FBS team? Yes, I do. And Stone might not agree with me, but I do. I think that South Dakota State is a team that if you give them the bottom half of the top 25, they might have a better offensive line than whoever they're going to play. And the defense would be able to hold up enough. And I like Mark Ranowski. I think that young man is a winner. And look, I often used to say that you should never bet against the Bison in the Fargo Dome because there's no money in it. Well, don't bet against Mark Ranowski either because there's no money in bet against that fellow. He's a winner. Yeah, Mark Ranowski, all he does is win games. All right, moving on. Two-part question here from Rick Meyer at Myonic4 on Twitter. What happened to Eastern Washington? And on the other side, how did Idaho become so good? Eastern Washington had a run of dynamic quarterbacks there, didn't they? Vernon Adams started with him. You know, they had Eric Barrier. You know, they had this fella who plays wide receiver for the Rams, right? They had guys who also uh, are playing Sunday football, too, who uh, were wide receivers there. They had a defensive lineman who's getting paid to play Sunday football. Eastern is a little young right now. They have some great players that are upperclassmen, but I think the future is bright for Eastern Washington if they'll stay the course and don't make any changes at the end of this season that's going to throw them back three or four years. And for Idaho, look, man, I think it's quite simple. It's the Eck effect. This guy comes in and just re-energizes that whole football program, that whole university, most of that state, and does it basically with the same guys that the other guy couldn't win with. You know, that's the definition of a good coach, I think, Stone. They say this about Bear Bryant. He could take his and beat yours and then take yours and beat his. That's Jason Eck right there. I think that all was really well said. All right, Tyler, at VandalTW on Twitter, I think this is a phenomenal question. Who do you think the committee seeds higher if both the Grizz and Vandals win out? Montana, because they have the head-to-head. That would probably be the only way that that would happen is if Montana has a victory over number 7 Sacramento State this week, and then they follow that up with a win in the Brawl of the Wild. And they would deserve it if they can do that. Not sure they can, but I think that's the only way that happens. All right, shout-out to Straight Grizzly for this one, at Sam Jones. What's a school that has been down as of late that you would like to see gain some success back and will be on its way in the next year or so? I mean, that's the Citadel Bulldogs. Has that written all over it, right? Probably not. <laughs> but, uh, look, I, I think you got to look at uh, – there's, you know, there's a couple of them, and I think one of the people that you need to look at closely is Portland State. And I know there's going to be some people who, who are going to roll their eyes because they call them top five Portland 
Portland State because they always seem to have these great recruiting rankings. All right. But I'll, you know, and and that's a common thread too. Campbell has had plenty of recruiting class. You know, number one, we're beating FBS schools in recruiting. Well, how's that working out for you in the W and the L department? Not well, right? So that's why I think when you look at people who want to rank recruiting in FCS, you're better off trying to go out here and herd cats, dude, because at the FCS level, it's about development. You sign them, you redshirt them, you build them up, you develop them. That's how you win in FCS. That's what some of these teams aren't doing. But that's a tough question because, you know, you asked me to put my crystal ball on. I think Youngstown State is a team that's going to be ready for prime time next season, too. I like that. I like the Youngstown State choice. I agree with you there. All right, this one, one of my favorites from Ryan Downing at rdowning82 on the X app, Twitter, whatever you call it. Kev, your favorite Pop-Tart. Man, that's easy. It's brown sugar. <laughs> You're a brown sugar guy? Absolutely. You I, know, keep, I, I keep it OG it, with the how strawberry. How come you taste so good, brown sugar? <laughs> This one, shout out to the boys at Long Snapping Lifestyle, at Long Snapping LS on Twitter, X at whatever the hell you call it. Kev, kind of a deep cut here. Best specialist unit in the subdivision. You know what? I'm not going to touch that one, Stone, because I'm going to tease something right here. All right. In two weeks' time, we're going to have Mike Hollis from Proform Kicking, former all pro kicker for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and former Idaho Vandal kicker on to discuss. The punters and the place kickers in FCS, you're going to have to hold on and see what a former NFL All-Pro thinks about that one. All right, Kev, wrap us up. Get us out of here. We need to get to the preview segment. Let the people know that they need to stick around for it. Hang around, y'all. The preview segment's coming up next, right here on FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Every day, more than 1,000 children worldwide are diagnosed with cancer. Northwestern Mutual is devoted to supporting the research that gives families and the survivors of cancer a better quality of life. They're looking to accelerate the search for better treatments and cures for childhood cancer while also supporting families undergoing treatment and survivors struggling with lasting effects. Since 2012, Northwestern Mutual has donated more than $50 million to the cause, which includes more than $30 million towards funding more than 600,000 hours of research through the company's partnership with Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation. The mission of Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation is to change the lives of children through funding impactful research, raising awareness, supporting families undergoing treatment, and empowering everyone to help find a cure for childhood cancer. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. It's now time for the preview segment. This is where Stone Lebanowitz and I take a quick trip all over FCS Nation, and we preview the biggest games taking place this week in FCS football. Up first, number 15, North Dakota State at number one, South Dakota State. Stone, it still seems really weird to call them number 15, North Dakota State, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, seriously, though. I mean, we're talking about a number one Dakota team and a number 15 Dakota team at any year prior. If you were to just throw those numbers out there, who knows what name you would say. You definitely wouldn't say North Dakota State. Um, this one's enticing, right? Because if you're North Dakota State and you've lost the game that you've lost, this one right here is what your season's all about. Of course, you figure you're a playoff team, but this one right here means more than anything. It can give you the juice, the momentum, everything you need heading into the playoffs. So I think they push all of the chips in the middle of the table and throw everything they have at the Jackrabbits. And for that, I think it could be a close game. But I And it's tough for even me to mouth the words right now that I think South Dakota State's just going to manhandle them up 
front, but it's what they do, and it's what they've done to every single team that's lined up across from them. So if North Dakota State can bow up, get a few stops early, and punch it in, and talk a little smack, and muck this thing up, then I think we got ourselves the ball game. I'm excited. It's going to be hard to predict, but I do think the spread is jacked all the way up there for South Dakota State. It's going to be in the teens, so not uh, too exciting going into this one for North Dakota State, but I think this is one of those games that comes down to the first quarter and how that result ends. That's what matters for a lot of these games. If you can get inside South Dakota State's head, like you saw Southern Illinois do, make it weird, make them question themselves, you got a shot. But if you don't do that, you're SOL. Injuries starting to pile up on the defense for North Dakota State. Eli Mostert's out for the rest of the year. Uh, This is a group that, you know, he was their leader and they were getting better each week. Now, I know the opponents got a little lesser the last couple of weeks, but they're Valley teams, sort of. And, but, you know, they handled it. Well, you know, this is going to have to be a game where if you're Cam Miller, you just can't be a running back or throw the seven yard out stone. They got to push the ball down the field and they got to make big plays. Maybe get a blocked punt, punt returns, you know, throw everything you can at them. Every cliche you can look up in the book here, circle your wagons, you know, whatever you want to say. If you're NDSU, this is it for you right here. This is your opportunity. The two games that you dropped, nobody will recall those if you can go on the road, win the marker game against number one, South Dakota State. Should be a hell of a ball game. Number two, Idaho is at Northern Colorado. Stone, I expected a little bit more sooner from Northern Colorado than we've seen. Idaho, how do you avoid a letdown after such an emotional win last week, Stone? Is this the senior leadership in the locker room and X saying we can't afford that, can't have that if we want to get to where we want to be? Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think we're putting our faith into Coach X, similar to what these Vandals are doing. He's going to have these guys ready. He understands that their championship window is wide open right now. It's South Dakota State and nobody, and that nobody becomes Idaho now, right? We're talking about a team in Idaho that scares anybody, that has put things on tape that you really just can't prepare for. The third down rate that Giovanni McCoy has been able to put on to display, the skill players that they have, my God, they're, they're, at times they're untouchable. Anthony Wood, shout out to their backfield, and of course Hayden Hatton. They got the guys to beat you, no matter who you are and where you're playing. I, I love Idaho in a spot like this. I don't think Northern Colorado gives them much trouble. I think they cruise. Northern Arizona is at number three, Montana State. Stone, Northern Arizona has an opportunity to pull the Air Montana sweep. They already beat the Grizz. Going to go in and take on a Montana State team that's hurting a little bit right now, Stone. And I guess one or two things happen in that situation, right? It either compounds itself or you exercise those demons. And I got a feeling I know which one of those is going to happen. Yeah, I'm taking the latter as well. I think Montana State beats the brakes off of Northern Arizona. I think this is a spot, right, that Montana State hasn't really found themselves in, at least this season. So I love what you use, right? Exercise those demons. That's what they'll do. They'll run the ball 40 plus times and beat them by three scores. I'm excited for this one. What did you think of that play calling in the first half for Montana State? Do you think they were just trying to put on film the fact they could throw the ball against a good defense? Because most of those were RPOs, right? And that's a choice a quarterback makes, right? Everybody talks about RPO this, RPO that. Stone, what exactly does that mean? Yeah, so that O is for option. So you do have an option. It really depends if you're trying to get the ball on the perimeter. You're typically reading either an overhang or a nickel guy just kind of floating on the outside not that hard of a read but when you get into it what South Dakota State does so well is a lot of the stuff over the middle because you're so good at running the ball you know these backers are kind of tucked up there closer to the line of scrimmage than a lot of other teams are because you have to be there you have to try to fill gaps earlier so I I do think in a sense they try to get cute I think they figured Idaho would try to dial up some pressures and they would try to sneak some things behind their ears but nothing that they did really scared Idaho and I think it was kind of the mentality that Idaho came into the game with number four Furman is at number 12 Chattanooga 
The winner of this one, Stone, receives the automatic qualifying bid to the national playoffs. I know Furman, they want to go into Chattanooga. They want to reestablish that running game with Roberto and the other stable of backs they got, get Tyler Huff involved in the rushing game. They want to get back to playing Furman football like they did against Western Carolina, not what they put on tape last week against East Tennessee State. Bingo. That's when Hendricks is preaching to the boys, get back to playing FU football. You're going to see Tyler Huff rushing and dushing probably two or three scores with his feet, I think, in this game. But come on, man. Chattanooga is a roster full of dogs. This game's a banger. I I really think it's going to be a, a knife fight between these two teams that I don't really know who has the edge. And I know that sounds funny, right? Because Furman obviously has the edge most likely. But Chattanooga, they play football each and every week like they're the better team on the field. And when you're playing a team like Furman, you do need to be delusional and tell yourself that we are a better team than them. Chattanooga flies around the field. I'm excited for this game. This is definitely that GOTW vibes. I think both of these teams are ready for each other. Chattanooga's got a point to prove to the rest of the country, too. We're not just a SOCON team. We're a team that's ready for the playoffs. Number seven, Sacramento State is at number five, Montana. Some quarterback issues for Sacramento State, and we saw a new young man for Montana last week who threw the ball a little bit, could run the ball a little bit, going to be very complimentary to what Clifton McDowell does there. I think this is game of the week vibe tubestone. But I've not been all that really impressed with Sac State this year. They've kind of hung around the top 10, you know, and you know, haven't really risen all that much, but haven't really fallen all that much. I'm not sure this is the same caliber of Sac State team we've seen in the last two, three years over there. And I'm starting to think this may be the best Montana team that Coach Houck has had in a minute. Yeah, bingo, bingo, bingo. I think you hit everything pretty clean there. I think Sac State, for a lot of those people who want them outside of the top 10, this is one of those teams where you just can't really do it until they make you. There's so much experience in the playoffs. This team's been together for a long time. So you think at some point they can right the ship, but yeah, there's there's question marks on offense behind center trying to figure out what to do and, and when to do it and how to do it. All these things just flurrying around, and the last team you want to step in front of you is a surging Montana team right now. So this could be the game that knocks them out of the top 10. Montana's playing really good football, and I think they put it together and beat Sac State this week. Elon is at Delaware. Elon comes in 4-4. Four and four. Delaware's beat the brakes off everybody just about, Stone. So, Elon, do what you do, man. Run the football, play good defense, be solid in the special teams. And I think if you're the Phoenix, you just got to keep everything in front of you. Don't let the Blue Hens beat you with big plays. Make them dink and dunk it down the field and, and hope they make a mistake. I think that's probably the only recipe for an Elon victory on the road here against Delaware. It is the only recipe, but uh, you're still going to burn the cake here. Delaware's going to beat them. They just win games in so many different ways, and they know how to run up a scoreboard in so many different ways. I look for them to do that against a 4-4 four and four Elon squad. Elon was showing signs early. This could be a game that kind of raises everybody's eyebrows, but I don't think so. Delaware is a train right now, and you want to get the hell off of the tracks. Number 13, South Dakota is at number 8, Southern Illinois. Who is South Dakota, Stone? And have we figured out yet who Southern Illinois is, right? I think this game right here is going to go a long way to telling us the answer to both of those questions. If you're the Salukis, they're coming into your place. They're reeling. You have an opportunity to start fast, step on their neck, and end that Coyote football team, don't you, Stone? Yeah, I said it earlier, Kev. I said it earlier that I think South Dakota versus South Dakota State is not really a good gauge game, or at least that's how it turned out, to, to determine who they really were. But this right here is. Southern Illinois is a team with a lot of offense, and a lot of skill on defense, and they can hurt you on both sides of the ball. And South Dakota, you got to bow up here because you are reeling. And this really isn't the team you want to see, but you're going to see them. Too bad. They're on the schedule and you got to line it up. I think this is a good gauge for both of these teams, and it's going to make clear where they should be 
in the country. We have the Salukis as a top 10 team in the country and South Dakota as not. I think it stays that way, but man, this could be a really, really fun ball game because typically for Southern Illinois, this isn't what you see from a South Dakota team. They do a lot of good things and they take their shots and their risks offensively. And I think both teams can run up the scoreboard here and defense be kind of lackluster. This is a great gauge game for both squads. Number 10, Western Carolina is at Walford. I don't believe there's a whole bunch to see here in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Do you? Let's keep it moving. No, there's not. Western Illinois is at number 11, Northern Iowa. File that under the same category, right? <laughs> Pass. Okay, North Dakota is at Murray State. Wow, that's three in a row, isn't it? <laughs> but uh, So let's keep it moving here. Number 16, Florida A&M is at Alabama A&M. Stone, Alabama A&M has got him a gunslinger at quarterback and Florida A&M. We may have them ranked too low, Stone. This is a very good football team. I think so, too. And they, they God, I've used this phrase a couple of times already on the show, but they run up scoreboards. Fam, you love finding Pater. And they love being flashy with it right now. The HBCU community is behind these Rattlers, and they're just punishing anybody they play. They're definitely worthy of being higher on our poll other than 16, but keep winning games, keep blowing them out, and they're going to get the love that they deserve. It's fun to watch this FAMU team play ball in 2023. Wade Mary is at number 17, Albany. Stone, we asked a question just a couple of weeks ago. If Albany had played Central Connecticut State and Lehigh instead of two FBS teams, where would they be ranked right now? Bingo. Definitely in the top 10. Wade Mary, we have not been high on them all season. I think Wade Mary is an okay team. I think Albany has an opportunity to be a good team, and they start to take that step more this week. Didn't people have William & Mary in the top five like two, three weeks ago? Yes, they did, and <laughs> they started the season there. And some people still have them ranked in their top 25. I challenge anyone, go look at the William & Mary football schedule and go look at the Albany schedule. The difference between these two teams is Albany already has good wins. William & Mary has none. Yeah, this is a good chance for the Danes to kind of step on William & Mary's throat and, and keep barking at the country that you're a contender, that we deserve to be in the mix and, and in the conversation with a lot of these other schools that are ranked higher than we are. So I'm excited for what the Great Danes have to show on Saturday. Number 18, Mercer is at the Citadel. Stone, I don't believe there's a whole lot to see here either. I think Mercer doesn't have a letdown. They come to Charleston, take care of the Citadel at the General. Number 19, Youngstown State is at Indiana State. And I want to say this again for the people who aren't listening. Indiana State has not quit on their head coach, Mallory. Not at all. They keep fighting. I got a feeling one of these weeks they're going to steal one of these games, Stone. Could this be it? It's definitely not the one. Youngstown State's a damn good football team. I've been eyeing Mitch Davidson, their quarterback. I want him for the Stone Cold. I need him to show me one more performance, and I'm going to get him on with us and, and make him an FOS, a friend of the show. Youngstown State knows how to score points. They know how to score points at a clip. They're good. They're well-rounded. Youngstown State deserves to be higher than 19, but they just got to show us a little more, and I think this team is has a fan base who backs them, who knows a lot about them, and, and this is a spot where you look at what's South Dakota did to the trees, and, and you want to make it 10 times worse. You want to make it 10 times worse, especially because of the result you had against the Yotes. So I think they have a point to prove right here. I think they score a lot of points. Now, Stone, we spent some time previewing these ball games, but there's something that I noticed that when I was on the sideline at Idaho last week, and the teams that I've seen from the sideline so far this season, the really good teams in FCS are the teams that don't have to blitz to get pressure on the quarterback. And it's funny how many of those are in the top six or seven in the country. What does that mean as a former quarterback when you're going to get hurried by guys who aren't coming from any place you're not expecting them? Yeah, I think it's a really good conversation, Kev. Uh, I'll tell you firsthand what it does to a quarterback's mental, and it makes you think just a little more. 
And when you watch guys around the NFL, like Joe Burrow and stuff, some of the professionals are able to keep their eyes up. Well, college quarterbacks aren't, especially some of the lower-level ones in the FCS. These guys aren't able to keep their eyes upfield and able to make those plays outside of the hashes. Guys like Giovanni McCoy have the ability to get outside the pocket and then get their eyes up. But guys like Aiden Bauman, who are blessed to stand in pockets and not really worry about the pressure underneath them and deliver throws, there are plenty of quarterbacks in the country who don't have the blessing that guys like Giovanni McCoy and guys like Aiden Bauman do. So you have to think about it a little more. Watch some of these quarterbacks in their drop when they're playing a really good defensive front. Their eyes aren't upfield. They're going to dip because they're trying to find out where the pressure is coming from and where do I need to go. Well, when they're trying to figure it out, they're missing certain windows on certain concepts and throws. So, so that's kind of where the discrepancy is. Quarterbacks in the FCS and all over college in the FBS, it really doesn't matter. When you're playing a team who's really good defensively up front, quarterbacks cannot keep their eyes upfield. And at that point, an offensive coordinator and the things that he's dialing up, it just becomes irrelevant because they're missing windows and they're not able to make certain throws on time. And once the timing's all off, now you're kind of just playing backyard football. So for the quarterbacks who are able to play backyard football better than others, those teams win. And those teams beat teams with a better front seven. I mean, come on, Idaho shouldn't have won that game on paper. But because they have a guy like Giovanni McCoy to make plays and get away from certain guys up front, yeah, they're going to extend drives. They're going to execute third downs and find the end zone on some big plays, some explosive plays into the end zone. So I think it has a lot to do with quarterbacks not being able to keep their eyes up because their offensive line can't block a defensive line. Coming up next, it'll be our honorary captain of the week, brought to you by Northwestern Mutual. I know you'll want to hang out for that. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Ferris swings it out. Far side, and oh, how about that play? After Chisholm the third with the hurdle, and off to the races. One man to beat, and he beats him as he falls to the end zone. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. It is about that time. Each and every week, I go around the country looking for honorary captains of the week. We'll get to what that is, but of course, it's presented by Northwestern Mutual and Alex's Lemonades and have some special guests with me. I'm on the East Coast as always, but I'm taking a trip West Coast, kind of north up to Cheney, Washington, where we have the star wide receiver for EWU, Mr. Efton Chisholm. Efton, appreciate you giving the show some time this week. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to psych to be on it. And alongside Efton is Ms. Michelle Williams, the internship development officer at Spokane Northwestern Mutual. Michelle, you as well. Appreciate you for giving the show some time this week. Yes, thank you so much for having us. We're really excited. I love doing this each and every week, and not only providing FCS fans and college football fans in general with content surrounding players like Eftem each and every game week from anywhere in the country. Like I just said, I'm on the East Coast, but we're talking to a star wide receiver all the way in Washington. Like I said, guys, anywhere in the country. But what we're doing is kind of using our voices to raise money for childhood cancer every day. Over a thousand children worldwide are diagnosed with childhood cancer, yet childhood cancer research is consistent consistently underfunded as compared to other types of cancer research. But it's up to us, myself, Stone Lebanowitz, Afton Chisholm, and Michelle Williams to kind of put a stop to that. And Alex Lemonade and the foundation, it's changing lives of children with cancer by funding impactful research and raising awareness, supporting families, and empowering everyone to help cure and stomp out childhood cancer. Afton, when you were approached to be the honorary captain of the week for the FCS Week 10 edition, your first thoughts were what? Huge blessing. You know, I think uh, with the the small platform that I have that can be big, can consider to a lot of people, you know, I just think I can 
take this chance and, and run with it. You know, I can do everything I can just to try to get this uh, this awareness spread and give back to Alex's lemonade stand and do everything I can in my power. Yeah. And on the same token, you're a junior right now. You still have a year to go, but coming into college, expecting to be a full-time student athlete, trust me, I know what that is like with aspirations, of course, of playing football at the next level and getting paid to do so. Did you ever think you'd have an opportunity to have a hand in putting a stop to childhood cancer? Like what does something like this mean to you? Uh, yeah. I mean, right off, like coming into college, absolutely not. Like I, I wasn't really thinking about that. You know, I always think about his school and football and he, and then when Michelle came to me with this uh with this idea and I was pretty much all in from the start you know I obviously met with her and a couple other people but just to get to know them but I I was in just as soon as I was approached. I could just tell I wanted to be a part of it. Yeah, I mean, what we're trying to accomplish is just, if I had to put it in a one word special, uh, I think using our voices, I mean, you hinted at it, Afton, talk about using your platform to whether it's raising awareness in general or funds. And, and Michelle, to you, how important is it that we have athletes at the forefront of this partnership? I think it's so important, particularly in this season, how many people obviously listening to this at least are crazy college football fans and the platform that athletes are able to have, especially especially in this day of social media is so important. And it's such a cool opportunity to be able to use it in this special way. And I think in this culture, it's like we've heard this concept of shut up and dribble, shut up and throw the ball. And we don't agree with that, right? If you can use your platform for something that you're really passionate about, what a cool thing to be able to do. Yeah. And for you, Michelle, individually, what does this initiative mean to you as a person? And then also for Northwestern Mutual? Yeah. So Northwestern has been connected with Alex's for a little over 10 years now. And I think it's it's really unique to our industry. We want to find people with passion. And at Northwestern, we also became really passionate about Alex's and in understanding those statistics that cancer is so prevalent and knowing that such little research and funding is given towards children. I think putting yourself or at least attempting to put yourself in those parents' shoes, it really fills your heart and, and gets you really excited to want to give back in that way. Yeah. And why Afton? Afton talked about you approached him with the idea, kind of mm -hmm. talking about the collaboration, but why Afton, why was he a good fit? So when we started looking for the right athlete to represent us and our network in Washington State, Afton came up really quickly and frequently. And when I got to learn a little bit more about him, I realized he was already really involved in nonprofit work. And it had a really key place in his heart. And we realized that was going to be such a great platform for him to be able to run with and, and having the opportunity to meet him and getting to know him in the way that we have, we couldn't have made a better choice. What's unique, I think, is Afton, you're now kind of preaching to everybody what this is is all about. But I think in a sense, your play speaks to this. It's motivation for children with cancer and people who are fighting that, families who are fighting that. Just to hear your voice parlayed with mine and Michelle's kind of gives them motivation. Is that something that sticks out to you that, that you know you're helping children and families fight through what they're fighting through? Yeah, absolutely. I think that if some little kid sees me doing what I enjoy to do and what I love to do, you know, hopefully that inspires them and just gives them a little more boost, you know, because I know like that's like they're in the darkest time of their lives right now fight they're fighting for their life you know so if they see someone else kind of just empowering and someone to look up to you know they can they can chase that as well i absolutely love it you guys having a chat here with efton chisholm our honorary captain of the week and michelle williams as well up there in spokane let's switch gears a little bit guys talk a little bit of football efton you guys are three and five right now kind of in an up and down season we were talking before we started recording how it's just been weird there have been some losses that are just by really really thin margins the double ot loss to an FBS Fresno State squad, 42-41 loss to an Idaho State team who's kind of playing some good ball right now, yet you guys are still a threat, legitimate threat to 
anybody on any given week. But the goal, though, what's the goal for you guys as a squad with three games left on the schedule sitting at three and five? I mean, obviously, we just want to play the best brand of football we can no matter what. You know, we got this ego on our chest and, and we hold that to a different standard than I think a lot of people do. And obviously, you know, the record, the record is what it is and it's it's not what we want it to be. But, you know, we only can control the controllables. So every week's a new week and, you know, we got to attack every day as it's a new day. And, and for you as an individual with the season left, you're only a junior. What are some things you want to see from yourself with three games? to go on the schedule uh you know just kind of help the team out as much as i can you know holding the ball kicking the ball catching the ball running the ball anything i can do just kind of help the team you know i i feel like uh i feel like i can do that so i don't really got nothing personal you know i I just like to win. So, you know, the more that we can play as a team and win, the better. A humble leader, Mr. Efton Chisholm. Hey, I'm a huge fan of Aaron Best, as is my co-host, Kevin Marshall. You are a team captain. Was that conversation between you and Coach Best as far as, hey, Efton, you're going to be a team captain this year? How did that kind of go? Uh, you know, so the previous year, he kind of challenged me to step up and be a leader. and I, I'm not very vocal. So uh, so so he gave me a little, he gave me some, some hints, you know, like, here, do this, do this. And so throughout the year, you know, I got to work on it, you know, just being more talkative, you know, pushing people this way, you know, because I like to just kind of go out there and work. And that's kind of how I've always been. But, you know, I kind of I kind of knew that it was going to come. But, you know, I it was I was still very blessed and thankful that it happened. So can't take that for granted at all. No, you cannot. Hey, the Eagles look to rebound from a 35-47 loss at Portland State last week. With a home contest against Cal Poly on Saturday, which I'm very excited for. Last year, Efton, eight catches, 86 yards, and a TD. What is it about Cal Poly that allows you to have so much success? What have you seen on film that you're like, yep, I'm going to do that again? Uh, you know, not to give away too much, but uh, I just kind of <laughs> like the structure of their defense. You know, they got they, they do have a really good corner. You know, I, I'm impressed how he's played this year. Uh, he's had a great season. But, you know, as long as I got my chemistry with Kakoa going and Coach Tape keeps uh, dialing up some stuff, you know, I think we can make anything happen. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on one more thing, Aaron Best related. There was a video, there were pictures going around. Kevin Marshall, my co-host, had sent me them of best dressed like a referee during a scrimmage game. Is is this guy a character? Kind of give people a peek behind the curtains on what kind of guy he is. Uh, he's a character for sure. You know, anything he says or anything he sees, he'll say it how it is, regardless of how it might make you feel or anything. The dude has, you know, he's just him. Like, he's not trying to be anyone else that he's not. So, uh, you know, he'll dress up as refs, ref our stuff. He goes, plays in a hoop vest, you know. So <laughs> I went to a game this year. He had some Jordan on a blue and orange jersey a headband you know he, he wasn't you know he wasn't shooting or nothing but he was facilitating so you know he's a character for sure and i love him confirmed by mr afton chisholm coach aaron best does not have a shot and michelle when you hear afton speak just everything about him screams leader you are the internship development officer like i had mentioned earlier are these the type of young men you guys are looking for when trying to add pieces to your guys's internship program 100 percent. and i actually love hearing him speak to saying well i had to become a little bit Bit more vocal and I had to take a little bit of feedback and run with it. I think that quiet leadership is really uh, undervalued. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. And leaders are so important, I think in most businesses, but particularly at Northwestern Mutual, when you are doing work that's so impactful for people. Um, and so that kind of leadership and that kind of ability to essentially take the ball and run with it when it comes to feedback is invaluable. I love it. He could not have said it any better. The internship program, by the way, folks, is second to none. Not news to you guys, but for the audience out there still learning about the initiative and the collaboration that we have on hand right now. It is second to none. For the past 50 years, more than 52,000 college students have participated in Northwestern Mutual's internship program. 
almost 100% of them, 98% of them reported that the program was not only instrumental and helpful for their future careers, but just vital. And it was something that they needed to get over the hump. And whether it's in the financial services industry, sales, or any other business endeavor, this has been a key stepping stone for them moving forward. Michelle, what is it about athletes that makes such good members of a Northwestern Mutual branch? Athletes are gritty, man. They know how to wake up early. They know how to stay disciplined. They know, again, how to take feedback. They know when to bring the energy. I think it can be summed up that simply. It's, it's that grit. It's having a little bit of guts and some resilience and knowing when to put yourself out there. Uh, and I think that's why we find that at Northwestern, one in five of our advisors actually comes from college athletics. That uh, ability to build on yourself and become 1% better every day is, is hugely beneficial for, for Northwestern. What was the one in five number? One in five uh, Northwestern Mutual Advisors were former college athletes. It's ridiculous. Uh, that's <laughs> awesome. Hey, Michelle, time management, workload management, these are things that you guys help interns with and obviously anybody just hopping on. How do you think these teaching translate to sport? I'm sure you've seen it firsthand. Mm -hmm. It's so important and we know how busy college athletes are and that's the beauty of the program is we have the ability to give you this work experience and have this really hands-on experience and grow not only professionally, but personally, while being able to balance that with school. And so I think this the skill sets that you really develop by having an internship life like this, second to none, because you spend so much of your time putting everything you have into athletics. And for most of us, at some point, that's going to end. And knowing what the next step is going to be when that does happen and having the contacts and the network is is really important. And same to you, Efton. I know you've yet to embark on your career. We had that chat before we started recording as well. Your career right now is football. And and there's nothing wrong with that. Trust me, I, I know from experience, it takes up pretty much every single minute of your day. So it's hard to kind of find other things to do. But what are some things football has taught you that you will take into the workforce? Uh, I say definitely right off the bat, just be resilient. You know, you got to be resilient, whatever it's going on. You know, you're gonna have ups and downs and through work. I know, like I see my parents go through it all the time you know those ups and downs with, with with your work you might not like your boss you know what i'm saying just like you might not like your coach so just certain things that i i kind of don't i don't really you know i i see it every day so it's kind of just uh i just know that i football is gonna help me in the long run and then you are not speaking like a junior right now it's all well versed man you are flowing i know you're a health and uh, physical education major but i think you kind of have something here if you know what i'm talking about <laughs> i love it you're killing it right now i love this initiative as well i love bringing different walks of life together especially Everybody kind of having the same goal in mind. I think that's super important. We're all aligned. Us here at FCS Nation, you at Eastern Washington, Michelle at Northwestern Mutual, Spokane, and plenty of other uh, people that I've uh, talked with and other honorary captains uh, of the week. We are in week 10, so there's been a bunch right now. We've raised a whole lot of money. Like I said, we're all aligned to putting an end to childhood cancer. Something we've made sure to implement, though, is a competitive aspect. We're fundraising, raising funds for cancer research, and, and Efton, you're helping us do that. And, and what we're doing in the competition field is on our website and you can go check that out at fcsnationradio.com there are the athletes the honorary captains of the week and they're listed and they all have the dollar amount that's been donated to them and to their university and we're treating it like a competition hey whose fan base can raise the most money who can show up like who's listening who's out there trying to make a change as well and and i take a lot of pride because pretty much anybody that i've spoken to from northwestern mutual is super competitive and and like michelle had spoken about they've all played sports or at least one in five of them and I obviously the athletes that we bring on if you're not competitive i do not know why you are on
on this segment. You <laughs> do not deserve to be here. But Michelle, why did we feel like it was so vital to this collaboration to kind of implement a competitive aspect to it? I think it's so much of what you said is we're we love competition and we're so used to that. And because we have this passion at the center of Alex's, it's even more exciting, right? We love to compete over anything. You can walk through the halls of my office and somebody's competing over something <laughs> as trivial as how many phone calls have I made today? And being able to center Alex's and, and knowing that all of this is going to benefit research and funding to impact these kids is huge. So I think having that at the center has been really fun for all of the offices involved. And Efton, how present is competition in your life? Every everything I do, regardless what it is, you know, if I'm, I got to be the first one here, last one to leave, first one in the drill, whatever it is, I'm always competing, whatever it is. Phenomenal, and trust me, I I, I do believe it. Hey, Michelle, kind of want to throw this one to you. Typically, for the honorary captains of the week, there's an event being held near their university where they're trying to get fans together that have gone to the game and are now coming to the event. But kind of speak to what the event is, what you guys are trying to accomplish, where it's at, all the good details, Michelle, tell the people. Absolutely. So we've all been able to listen to Afton speak and you have the opportunity to meet him later this month. Uh, Thursday, November 16th, just to hop and a skip away from Cheney in Spokane, we are going to be at Coach Anito's Taqueria. And if you have not been there, it's amazing, really well sought after. Coach Anito's owners are fantastic and they've offered from the hours of 6 to 8 p.m. on November 16th to donate 15% of their proceeds to Alex's, which is amazing. So all of me and my Northwestern crew will be there from 6 to 8. Efton will also be there signing autographs, shaking hands, helping everybody understand what this cause is really about from 7 to 8 p.m. that evening. The restaurant name one more time, Michelle. Cochinito's Taqueria. That's in Spokane. That, folks, is where you can find Mr. Efton Chisholm, Michelle Williams as well. So excited for it. We just got done talking about kind of the competition side of things. Efton, I'm going to leave this one up to you. People need to know where they can go to donate to help raise funds and awareness. It's on our website, but you tell the people. Yeah. Ignatian, look, I need you guys. You know, I love to compete. You know, I'm there for you. I need you guys to be here for me. I know the blood runs deep here at the Eagle Nation. So I need you to go to fcsnationradio.com. You can go to the right of the screen and there should be a drop down. It'll say Afton. That's where you can donate. I appreciate you guys. Just like Afton said, fcsnationradio.com. And right there, staring at you on the right side of the screen, it says Alex's Lemonade Stand. It'll take you to its own separate page. And right there is the landing page for all of our honorary captains of the week. And you'll see Mr. Afton Chip right there next to Eastern Washington. That, folks, is where he wants you to donate. He was calling you out, Eagle Nation. Try to get him the most money. And again, all with the right intentions, trying to raise awareness and raise, raise funds all to end childhood cancer. Afton, I will start with you. I cannot thank you enough for your time. Look out for Afton Saturday, November 4th, taking on Cal Poly, 1 p.m. It's a whiteout, so make sure you're wearing your white. Afton, appreciate you giving FCS Nation some time this week. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. And Michelle, first off, appreciate you for bringing Afton into our lives and to you as well. Thank you for giving the show some time this week and, and help spreading some awareness and helping get the word out. Absolutely. I think this is going to be a great impact, and we we're so happy to talk with you. Again, Saturday, November 4th, versus Cal Polly, 1 p.m. You can check out Mr. Efton Chisholm hurgling more people as he did last week. This is Stone Labanowitz, the honorary captain of the week segment here on FCS Nation. Stick with us during the break. Coming up next is the pick segment. And we're back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. It's now time for my favorite time of the week. This is the pick segment where Stone Levanowitz and I 
Go head-to-head and pick the biggest games taking place in FCS football. Up first, the Dakota marker game, number 15. North Dakota State is at number one, South Dakota State. I got South Dakota State winning this ball game, 30-21. to 21. I think the Bison put up a fight at some point and make everybody question, okay, what's going on here? But before you know it, they'll extend the league two-possession game here for the Jackrabbits, 30-21 to 21 to finish. Rivalry games are funny, but I don't think this one will be at all. And I don't think anybody is going to beat the Jackrabbits until Frisco, if then. Take number one, South Dakota State at home over number 15, North Dakota State, 31-14. Number two, Idaho was at Northern Colorado. I'm going 42-13, the final here. I think the Vandals just have a really good thing going right now. And X is going to get his boys in check, and they'll figure it out against Northern Colorado. No letdown for Idaho. The Vandals will cruise here. Take number two, Idaho on the road over Northern Colorado, 34-10. Northern Arizona is at number three, Montana State. Montana State going to exercise their demons here. Like Mr. Kevin Marshall said, they're going to rout NAU 45-10. Well, I'll be over in Bozeman for this when our National rider Lucas Sim pulled the duty on the Grizz game. You know, of course, he's got the number seven team, and I'm going to see Northern Arizona, but I'll be over there for this one. And I've been a good luck charm for the Cats in their lair. Take number three, Montana State at home over Northern Arizona, 38-24. Number four, Furman is at number 12, Chattanooga. God. This one was hard to pick, and I wasn't going upset special. I was not willing to do that. I think Furman, with the kind of call it a bounce-back spot, has an opportunity to beat a chat team that has a lot of respect and is kind of surging, if I may. Uh, Furman wins this game 28-24. Not only may you, I think you're right about that, Stone, but this one is a tough one to pick. But the mocks have not been the same threat to run the ball since the injury to their fine running back, Ford. Furman will do what they want to do, which is just win, baby. Take number two, Furman, on the road over number 12, Chattanooga, 28-24. Number seven, Sacramento State is at number five, Montana. I think Stack State does find a way to score some points in this game. I kind of see a high-scoring affair. I understand it's getting cold, but Montana can score, and Stack State's going to have to keep up. So give me the Grizz, 33-27. It's a night game in Missoula, so all those Grizz fans in the parking lot will have all day to get all lubed up for this one. Some hunters, even, will be able to go hunting and come back and fill Washington Grizzly Stadium, and it's supposed to be chilly and rainy. Well, both teams debuted new quarterbacks last week, and it went well for both of them. But I think Clifton McDowell is still the man for the Grizz, and I believe he'll make all the difference using his legs. Take number five, Montana at home over number seven, Sacramento State, 31-24. Elon is at number five, Delaware. Not much you can do right now to beat the Blue Hens, and they'll put that on display. They'll show everybody what I'm talking about here. 40-17, to Elon, not the team that we thought they were a few weeks ago. Elon is a good team, but I think Delaware is a great one. Take number five, Delaware, at home over Elon, 31-17. Number 13, South Dakota, is at number eight, Southern Illinois. This one's going to be fun. Uh, Weather permitted, uh, it'll be a little chilly in Southern Illinois. I I don't see any rain, definitely not any snow, so both these teams are going to be able to air it out, be dry in Saluki Stadium. I do have the Salukis coming out of this one on top, 35-27. And what's a fun game for a little bit, but I think Southern Illinois has too much on offense, and they'll be able to create a few turnovers with that secondary uh, versus Aiden Bauman. So I, I got SIU in this ball game here. Like I said, 35-27. The Salukis are at home, and they're coming off a win, so that gives them the edge. Take number eight, Southern Illinois, over number 13, South Dakota, 27-13. Number 10, Western Carolina is at Wofford. Yeah, give me Western Carolina 50 and Wofford 10. This is a blowout here and a good bounce-back spot for the Catamounts. I'd really hate to be the short-haired dogs from Spartanburg, South Carolina this week. Take number 10, Western Carolina on the road over Wofford, 42-10. Western Illinois is at number 11, Northern Iowa. I originally had written down a lot to a little. Uh, if I try to put some points on uh, either team's side here, man, it's really hard to gauge what Western Illinois 
uh, is even capable of doing. I'll give him seven points here, but you and I is going to score 42. Not a lot to see here, y'all. Take Northern Iowa at home over Western Illinois, 52-7. Number 14, North Dakota is at Murray State. North Dakota's got a lot to show people, especially us. We were high on them pretty early on. Um, kind of got ahead of ourselves, put them in the top 10. I, I don't think they're a top 10 team right now, but they should get by Murray State and keep the ball on the ground doing so. Did you hear that, y'all? That was Stone chiding me in a private hand grenade <laughs> he just threw right there that I decided to make public. So I just, you know, I just dove all over it's what I did right there, Stone. So you know, look, <laughs> if you're the Fighting Hawks, you handle your business against Murray State. You should. But it's on the road, and Murray State is a better football team than some of the numbers have shown. They'll hang around for a while in this one. But take number 14, North Dakota, on the road over Murray State, 31-24. Number 16, Florida A&M is at Alabama A&M. Florida A&M going to break the scoreboard. God, they do it every single week, 40-13 to 13 over A&M. Rattler's going to strike here, y'all. They had homecoming last week. So, you know, all those festivities are over. Going to have some more festivities in Alabama. Rattler strike, 38-17. William & Mary is at number 17, Albany. Let's go, Albany. Get this one done, 33-28. William & Mary is going to have a lead at a certain point, but our great Danes are going to come through late here, third, fourth quarter stretch, 33-28. Go Danes. Great Danes are going to cover up William & Mary in this one, and I think this will put to rest once and for all time this season. Whether William and Mary is any good, I don't believe they are. I think Albany is. Take Albany at home over William and Mary, 27-12. Number 18, Mercer is at the Citadel. I'll go 45-10, make it quick. Man, I hope it is. Put it out of its misery, right? But I know this. It's homecoming at the Citadel. It will be absolutely sold out. You, They will not be able to stuff another person in there, Stone. And that's saying something for a team that hadn't won a game this year. That crowd will give the Citadel a rise for a while, but it won't be nearly enough. Take number 18, Mercer, over to Citadel in Charleston at the General in a close one, Stone, 21-17. Number 19, Youngstown State is at Indiana State. I love Youngstown State. I do want to put that on record. I am a huge fan of what the Penguins are able to do. I think they score 38 against the Trees and only hold the Trees to 10. So give me that finish there. Kudos to Indiana State. They're fighting. They'll continue to do that. This game will be close, Stone. But take number 19. Youngstown State on the road over Indiana State, 28-17. Kev, no upset specials of the week, but if you did have to pick one, if we were forced to at least have one a week, where would you go? I would go I would go number seven, Sacramento State, over number five, Montana. And I'll tell you why. Montana's played clean football lately, and you just have the feeling in the wet, in the cold, you know, you would think, well, that would be a bigger advantage for Montana. They're more used to it than Sac State. yes. But one of these teams probably going to put the ball on the ground a whole bunch. And if they do, it'll be a blowout. Montana can have that happen to them. I don't think it will, but it could. And Sac State could take advantage of that. We'll see. It's going to be a very interesting ball game there in Missoula. That brings us to the end of another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. FCS Nation is co-hosted and produced by Mr. Stone Levanowitz. I'm executive producer and host Kevin Marshall, thanking you for making FCS Nation a small part of your football week. I'd like to invite all of you right back here next week for another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. And like I always do, y'all, I'd like to remind you that life's a lot like football. You play by the rules and the penalties won't kill you. Until next week, so long, everybody.